Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Living a Life Through Books, the podcast about everything bookish. I'm your host, Dr. Shanaz Ahmed, and today is Book Talk with Erin. We are talking the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires by Grady Hendrix. And if you just happened to miss the glaring spoiler alert in the beginning, yes, there will be spoilers in this episode. Personally, I would recommend you read the book and listen to this episode as it will give you a better perspective of what we talk about, but you're always welcome to listen and decide if it's a book you want to explore and read. The choice is yours. Stay tuned to the end of this episode where I have a special invite for all of you. Now, let's get to talking. The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires by Grady Hendrix. And here's Erin. Erin, welcome to the Living a Life Through Books podcast again. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to talk about this book tonight. Okay. So I'm really excited about talking about this book too. I, I have a lot of thoughts. Or maybe I don't have that many. But anyway, name of the book. Oh, geez. The it's Southern a, a, Book Club, Club Guide Band. to Killing Vampires? Vampire Slaying? Let me look. Oh the my Slaying goodness. Vampires. I know. The Slaying Vampires. That's it. Right? That's it. Uh, <laughs> it's a long name. It's a long name. Here we go. The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires by Grady Hendrix. Yes. It's such a long name, I couldn't even put it on my currently reading on Instagram. Because there's a character limit in your edit profile, and if you're reading so many books, this book will take up the entire thing. So I had to put it as Southern Book Club Vampire. As a so title, you're, but... you're saying that they needed to make this a shorter title. That's what you're saying. They need to do a lot with this book. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I'll be honest. Okay, so... Three things that really got me to read this book. Yes, there was a lot of hype. So, but that that didn't like the hype doesn't usually that doesn't usually influence me. Um, I liked the cover. It looked very fascinating. Um, I'm a sucker for vampires, and then the title reminded me of the um, what was it? The something in potato peel. The Guernsey. The Guernsey. And Potato Peel Society. Yeah, yes, you know what I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about, yes. It just reminded me of that title, and I loved that book, and I thought it was really charming. And so I took this journey, and so did you, with the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. So I took this journey because, yes, I loved the cover also you you know i've been critical of cover lately mm-hmm. you know last two books i've been like totally just the cover uh so yes i actually did enjoy this cover i was intrigued by the title as much as i hated the long title i was very very intrigued by it 
there was the whole bookstagram hype. It was all over it. And I'm like, okay. And yes, I'm a sucker for vampires too. I mean, who doesn't like a great vampire story with a book club? I mean, you got books and book club and a vampire. So, and the fact that you'd read it and I was like, oh, great. Now I got to read it. So it was all these factors that made me read it. And I will tell you that before I read it, I know you said there were a lot of missed opportunities in this book. Mm -hmm. And so when I read it, I read it from that aspect. I kept reading and I'm going, okay, book club. Okay. Okay. And I'm like missed opportunities. And then at some point I forgot about, I was like, just forget about looking for a missed opportunity. Just finish the book. And then I'm finished the book and I'm going, there's a lot of missed opportunities or whatever. There's just a lot that is missing or there's a lot that doesn't settle with me. And since we'll say, well, I'll call spoiler alert because Mm -hmm. the end was just like, what? Like, huh? Excuse me? Wait, what? What? Yeah. Okay. So that, that, there was that kind of an ending. The thing that I really loved about this book. Okay. Absolutely loved just thought it was hilarious was the opening scene where mm-hmm. she's trying to read this book and she's trying to read this book and she's trying to read this book before book club and she doesn't read this book and she shows up to book club and she's trying to make it up because apparently in their book club one assigned person right speaks for 20 minutes about the book before anyone else speaks no pressure. So, yeah, no pressure at all. <laughs> so, and she did not read the book and she's assigned and whoever runs this book club is apparently very, very, very strict, right? Yes. So and it's she, frumpy. It's a frumpy book, book club. like Yeah, very. And so she tries to make it up. She's like, oh, this is a great book. I mean, it explores concepts of race and South Africa, and it really makes you think about all these famous people. And it's like, and she's just trying to make it up. And then finally, the person who runs the book club is basically calls her out and is like, you didn't read it, did you? And that wasn't the funny part. The funny part was, after that, she's like, okay, fine. Okay, okay, fine. Okay, who wants next person? Just next person, take it on. And then nobody had read the book. Like no one in the book club (laughs) had read the book. That was just absolutely brilliant and phenomenal. Please do not do that for my book club. I'm just saying that, just don't. (laughs) But um, but that was just great. And so then they like form their own book club. Like correct. Like the we want to read some more enjoyable less not that it like their books aren't thought provoking but you know more entertaining books and so they start their like how would you call it it's like um they like undercut the original book club right and they start doing uh murder mysteries and thrillers (laughs) and uh 
a little do they do vampire books i don't i know so that's i think that's a missed opportunity right uh, like that was one of the things that i picked up on was once that they kind of like she kind of started suspecting that there was this vampire loose in their tiny little town i think that it, when there's a book club involved like what do book club, club book club ladies do i mean the first thing that we're going to do is find a book about it like let's use our vampire book knowledge so i would have liked to have seen them do a bunch of vampire books then and figure it out but wasn't she doing some vampire books and really reading it she was like really going in and reading dracula and she was like okay this happened with dracula and that happened with dracula so mm-hmm. but not in a book in the book club context so yeah i think right. you're right right so sh- she was doing her own thing in her own context okay yeah what do you think about her husband the psychiatrist oh um i have mixed feelings about him uh, i mean i thought that it was very plausible like the actions that took place where he you know it's a it's a good good old boys club there and it's a small town and i grew up in a small town that's a good old boys club and i could definitely see somebody you know believing oh this wife she's just you know she doesn't have anything to do all day but raise these kids and make sure that their lives are together and take care of my mom and you know she's just gone crazy because she's you know, lost her mind. She has nothing, nothing to do. <laughs> she's just bored, but, and she's creating these stories in her head, and just like really. Your lobe was eaten up. <laughs> I mean, right? was before, no, before. Yes, I you're mean, right. If, if all this came up without her your lobe being eaten up, that's a different issue. Her your lobe was eaten up. Yes. Then there was someone on her. By own. an old lady. <laughs> By an old lady, yeah, by an old lady. Someone else went missing. Some kids went missing. There was, oh, some kids committed suicide. Then you had Mm -hmm. someone was on her roof. Mm -hmm. And then you have this husband who's always coming home late. Yeah. And because he's going out and hanging out with guys. Um, And And I like the part where he. Having an affair is what the vampire told her. Right, and I don't know if that's true because it was very unclear. Like, maybe it really was true. Maybe it was. I couldn't tell if that was, like, one of those mind trick things that the vampire was doing. Um, I'm not sure. But it really made me angry when he prescribed her the, like, Xanax or whatever it was that he prescribed her because he thought that she was going crazy um, and needed medical help. That she was hallucinating things or i don't know and I, I that just like rubbed me the wrong way and i just thought like you were believing this person in the community that's a stranger he wasn't even part of your community until recently and you're gonna believe him over your own wife who has arguably sacrificed a lot for you um i could definitely tell i don't know i don't i shouldn't say this but i'll say it anyway i felt like that <laughs> That a lot of the missed opportunities were because it was written from a male author and it was like portraying women's perspective, but I'm not really sure how much, how much, how familiar that the author was with women's perspective. Okay. 
Okay. I don't know if that's a fair assessment. I mean, it, it, it is because I felt like the women were all stay at home. Yeah. Did any of them have jobs? No, they all, none of them had jobs. They were all stay at home, taking care of their husbands. And that was their thing. And then there was one character there who was very um, afraid of her husband. Like she couldn't go to the book club. Mm. So she was in the Bible study group. That's what she told yes. her husband. We're in a Bible study. Yes. Yes. But, because he was the, abusive. Yes. But then all the women were just, they were just doing nothing. I yes. just, for me, I felt the book wasn't very vampire-esque. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like a classic vampire mystery and you had this vampire who could actually go out in the light i mean he just can't handle it too much so there were a lot yeah. of things that just wasn't very vampire-esque the vampires also what is it traditional vampire goes for the juggler vein right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he is what going tomorrow the, the tomorrow femoral- artery femoral they go, he's going into the femoral and he's going into these women's crotch right and essentially all, yes yes mm-hmm. men and women mainly children mainly yeah and and that's a whole different play on whatever you want to go you know eating someone out you just yeah just it was a play on that it was definitely sure. a play on that for sure because Patricia, the main character, towards the, at the end, she says, it was a lot of pain, and then finally, the pleasure really hit. So there was, there was that aspect of this vampire that just didn't seem very in the vein of a traditional vampire story. Mm-hmm. Uh, his blood was black. I don't know. what I didn't know vampire's blood was black. Maybe silver? I don't know. Are vampire's blood black? I mean, I think different books have had different takes on that. Uh, in some books, they don't bleed, and so they don't like they don't have blood because they're bloodless. Right, right. there, there is that too. So just there's that, and then the big thing I have is three years. Three years. What was the vampire doing for three years? Apparently, killing kids. Yeah, but I mean. It would have been, I just feel that in three years, there would have been a lot more things would happen in a month or two where it would Mm -hmm. just get like a hyped up mystery, blah, blah, blah. And maybe when she is actually committed in the asylum or in the mental hospital or whatever, the vampire visits her then. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, so I have no trouble getting behind non-traditional vampire stories, like like where they are taking the concept of a vampire and reworking it. I really don't have a problem getting behind that. Like, for example, um, The Fledgling by Octavia Butler. Loved that book. Okay. Made me pause and think about a lot of things, mm-hmm. um, including, like, my own biases about why something felt odd or weird or awkward Uh um so I don't know if you've read that book before I just read it like like a month ago a month and a half ago uh it was my 
first experience with Octavia Butler. Loved it. Like, just an amazing read. Um, but the interesting thing is that in it, the vampire appears to be a child. Ooh. Okay. Um, so, like, she does, like, these vampires do age, but they age more slowly than mm -hmm. humans. Mm. And it's almost like they're kind of insinuated as an alien species that, that came to Earth and, like, accidentally got stuck here. And, like, they've had to try to assimilate or not really fully assimilate, but hide themselves in human society. And they look enough like humans that they're able to do this, but there's some key differences, like they're aging, for example. Okay. Um, but she, even from looking like a small child, she uses seduction to, like, as part of, like, getting her prey. And so there's some, some what I would say are intimate scenes with her victims that are adult humans. Ooh. And while she's old, she looks young. Okay. And so that's, like, kind of a different play. Um, it's, this book kind of took that, but on the opposite. So it was like the victims were children and the vampire was an adult. He was just a regular guy. Right. He was just, yeah. And so I don't know. That was weird to me. It felt more awkward in this book than it did in the fledgling. It, and I would even say like, with the Twilight series, you've got a vampire that looks young and is super, super old, but he's interacting mainly in an intimate way with somebody who looks the same age as him, but, you know, is centuries younger than him. Um, and I, I guess that's like, and that's kind of mainly the traditional vampire story. Mm -hmm. uh, and I find it less... I don't know, troublesome to my mind when it comes to those intimate scenes. Um, but I found this to be like super problematic. I don't know why. It just struck me as like, just like really okay. messed up. This vampire, you know, um, has the body of that woman. Mm -hmm. It's just there upstairs in his attic. Yeah, what's that about? I have Did no idea what that's about. Did he not feed off of her? I don't know. Like, I don't know what that's thing? about. Also, also, Patricia, the main character, is in his house mm -hmm. alone, mind you, mm -hmm. alone in his house, in his freaking attic. Mm -hmm. And he knows she's there. I don't know if, did you do the audio? Or did you? I did audio. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember that scene? He goes, Patricia, Patricia, I know you're there. I mean, it's creepy, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's very creepy. And I'm very creeped out because the reason I was creeped out is because I'm like, a vampire has extra sensory powers. Mm -hmm. Like they can hear better or they can sense better. They can smell better, whatever, right? There's something yeah. that a vampire has. So I'm kind of like, she's up there in his attic mm -hmm. trying to hide from a being that has extra powers. Mm -hmm. 
and then you know later on he doesn't even look up in the attic mm mm-hmm. he just goes around then her friend comes in tries to rescue her says get get me down and then she gets off the attic and then they just go away and like did he make a vampire baby when he attacked the one lady or she's just going to die i was super confused about which that which lady the one that was in the hospital not for the mental stuff but because um he had like raped her or i mean my intention no not her daughter the uh, the other lady from the book club okay and uh it's like halloween and you know, oh wait she's the one who betrayed her friend mhm she mm-hmm. betrayed her and then he ended up attacking her you're right there was you're right it was very very unclear because she was he okay she said that he raped her mhm she very clearly said he entered me okay so yes. was, rape was definitively mentioned and then there was this mention of will i make it or will i not but then she dies yeah but then but it was like was like no i got that that. You, so no confusing. you're right you're right i was confused too because for a while i feel there was hinting at her insides were being torn up because yes. she was pregnant with the vampire yes there was a hint of that so i thought okay she's not going to die there's something i mean she's going to there's going to be this pregnancy there's going to be something how's this vampire going to come out yes and then the next thing you know she dies mhm which really threw me off but on that note i will tell you so here's i'm going to tie that with the ending okay so in the ending okay. these women cut him up right mhm and put different parts in different bags yes and he's regenerating yes but he has to be i think that the parts have to come together for him to be able to fully regenerate okay because those parts are still flat you know like you can hear yeah. the graveyard they're just like flapping around right and then the question comes up why can't they generate completely like you know like yeah. you go from an arm build up a shoulder to a chest to another yeah. arm you know so ultimately so i'm looking at this book as a here's my potential when i read it and all of this i thought okay part 2 the southern whatever book club again or whatever guy took slaying vampires again mm-hmm. now you have several vampires coming up from different bags and you have the woman who died mhm because if she was pregnant and and or she became a vampire she regenerates mhm the other issue i had with this book was there was only one vampire i don't know why yes i did okay good because i felt like wait wait what don't vampires have a clan like a vampire or something i don't know i mean traditionally yes i yes. just like I a coven like, yeah something i just 
so there was just this one vampire. So then I'm kind of like, okay, for all these years, there's just this one guy, and he talks about, oh my gosh, you you are gonna, you're trying to kill the most, the last, the most magnificent of all of the creatures. Blah blah blah. He's just blurting all this out. The other thing I had is, I know you don't mind going away from the script, and I don't mind going away from the script. I'll mm-hmm. explain what I mean by going away from the script. There was a um, a book that I had read, and I know I mentioned it on my podcast. Like I'm talking, I mean, gosh, my podcast is almost two years old, right? So it's called The Artful Dodger, or Artful. Okay. I okay. Don't remember the author. I'd have to go back. I can find it for you. Okay. It was one of my Kindle Prime books. Anyway, in this book. This guy as a vampire is attacking him, okay? And what do you do when a vampire attacks you? You spit at it, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, literally, he has no means of defending himself. He just spits at the vampire like you disgusting thing. But the interesting thing that happens is the vampire reels back and has a burn on its face. It, it was like the coolest scene ever. I mean, I still remember it because he mm-hmm. spits. And because you're in your mind as a reader, you're like, <laughs> you're spitting at a vampire. Like, you know, just might as well just kiss your life goodbye. But no, the vampire reels back with a burn on his face because it is revealed that the person, Artful, had drank holy water. Oh. He had drank holy water. I don't know. And, and it mentions that if you drink holy water, it protects you or you can spit on a vampire for 24 hours. And they define their rules. The, the new exactly. rules. Exactly. And, and yeah. that, that's my thing. The rules, vampire rules. You can kill it with a cross, with a stake, uh, with a, you know, vampires. I don't know about garlic and bane, but, you know, there, there are certain... Mm-hmm rules for killing a vampire right Mm -hmm. and a cross is one of them it's in every folklore the cross is a huge element of killing a vampire because a vampire is considered evil and a cross is considered the ultimate good Mm -hmm. right now if you want to change it you want to create like, let's say Buddha or, you know, Allah, or I don't know, the Jewish God, or just to, just to change it. Mm-hmm. If you want to turn it around, sure. It would still be in the vein of good versus that evil. Right. Sure. Yeah. And but I these, don't have a problem redefining. Right. I don't have a problem redefining those things either. But there was none of that. They didn't even kill the mm-hmm. dang vi- vampire. These are Christian women, right? <laughs> These are very Christian women. Don't tell me they don't have a cross somewhere. Right? Yeah, I mean, they're in the South. There's a Bible. There's a cross probably in every room. <laughs> I mean, so, so my, you know, so I'm like, these women are going through this huge ordeal to kill a vampire. And they don't have a cross. Mm-hmm. That's like, like, hey, I'm a Muslim woman. I don't have a Quran in my house. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, like a practicing Muslim woman does not have a Quran in her house. Like, are you serious? I mean, do you have a cross in your house? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I can pull off the wall. It's actually it's actually made out of nails, so it'd okay. be perfect. So. Do you have a Bible in your house? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, no kidding. You do? I know. Oh. Isn't it shocking? And wow. I don't even live in the South. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. I mean, oh, wow. A Christian woman has a cross and a Bible in her home. Wow, that's just absolutely, oh, my gosh. So that concept alone, did that, did that get you? Because I was just. It did. I was like, why did they just like butcher this man like a like a chicken? <laughs> like that's all I could think was like, what? Like, okay, in Twilight, yeah, y- they talk about like how you you know they they kind of flip those rules a little bit, and you have to be shredded by other vampires, but they define it right. Like there's a discussion about you know this is the myths and this is really the reality. And even like True Blood, um, The Fledgling, like any vampire book, The Historian, any vampire book that I can think of, when they redefined something, if it wasn't based on like your typical lore, Mm -hmm. they would always like, there would be a conversation between characters in the book about why that that is not like why this myth exists or that this myth exists, but this is the reality. And we're, you know, basically that's the author's way of redefining these ideas and parameters for you. And I like, I think that if this author had addressed some of that stuff throughout the book, I would have had less of a problem with it, but I just felt like, okay, it was kind of felt like there was a storyline and like the vampire was like a secondary thing to it or like, I don't know, like the author couldn't make up their mind whether they wanted to write a book about a vampire or monsters. I don't know. I mean, that was kind of my I completely way. agree with you. I mean, I think I gave it, I don't know if I gave it three stars or two stars. I think I gave it three. It might just be deserving of two, but I gave it three stars. I mean, it was one of those. What did you give it? Uh, no, I gave I think it three I gave stars. it three. I'll have to check. I'm, I'm pretty sure I gave it three. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure I gave it three too because when I looked it up, I think the rating is 3.91. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I do think the, the, the author has like really good yeah, I gave it style stars. of writing. And I think that I liked that there was creativeness in trying to reimagine vampires. But I wish that there would have been more direction and discussion about these things that are different about the vampire in his book versus vampires as we traditionally think about them. So I, I wish that there um, would have been that. Uh, yeah, I gave it three stars. Um, yeah, me too. Oh, the other thing about this book, Miss Mary, the mother who dies and yes. then comes back. Oh, I loved her. She was a great but, character. But, but I mean, she randomly just comes back. She's a ghost. I, I get okay. Or a, what do you a clairvoyant that visits you in dreams? Not really a ghost. She visits you in dreams. She I mean, I just I don't know. I didn't it just didn't settle well with me. I'm kinda like, oh, so suddenly she just shows up. I agree. It, it should like, have been addressed. It, it was just rain okay. Before she dies, she goes off on this random tangent about everything that happened. And blah, blah, blah. Then, of course, then three years later, she shows up and she goes, you're hurting my grandchildren from, you know, you got to protect them from the guy. Go ask her for the picture and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what? Cop out. Sorry, just absolute cop out. 
Well, and I thought that the like three years, like what the heck's happening in these three years? Yeah, that was a cop out. I didn't really like that. Um, yeah, I felt like, like I said, I think there were a lot of missed opportunities. I think that you know there could have been some conversation about um, this grandmother, and like maybe this is a uh, special skill or trait or ability that runs in their family where they are clairvoyant and they can come to people in dreams and they can, you know, somehow communicate beyond the grave, but they shouldn't be like one line in chapter three or whatever. And then like towards the end of the book, all of a sudden she's showing up and directing because it felt like then it just felt like really contrived. Like the author was trying to move that had had difficulty moving the story along and just was trying to get the story. And okay. What are your thoughts on, her eating a bottle a bottle of Xanax. What what are your thoughts on that alone? That's another thing that I could not understand. I was like, does she really have true mental illness or it did this vampire like mind poison her? Right. Again, it's the this book leaves you with just so much that just didn't feel right. And I I would say like it's okay from an author perspective to leave people with a an unclear question or two in a story but I feel like when like every other question is like what the what what just happened (laughs) um how did that happen like there shouldn't be that many questions I just think like he took all his notes just put it together and go here you go here's a book the end yes and I think and you know he has other books which I was like I wonder you know because this apparently this I think that the other books tie into the teenagers the, t- the son and daughter, if I'm understanding correctly, the other books tie in with the son and daughter, and then this book was an afterthought. So I don't know if this was like a, you know, if you read the other books, some of this stuff makes better sense. Is this a part two then? It didn't say that. It didn't say it had to be read in any particular order. Okay. I'm just going to look it up because I'm just going to look up this author real quick. I just, okay, here's my question. Would you read another book by this author? I might try one more, whatever the <laughs> highest rated was. But after that, I'd probably be done um, if it did not score higher than a three for me. Um, Here's the titles. Just, Here's the titles. Hold on. Okay. Um, Horror Store. Here, it's with the umlaut on the O. Can you read it? Horror oh, yeah, yeah. Store. Okay. Okay. And my best friend's exorcism. Okay. We sold our souls. Okay. So in that that genre of like horror, and I'm sure there's paperbacks from hell, the twisted history of seventies and eighties horror fiction. Oh, that sounds okay. Satan loves you. Oh, very interesting. <laughs> Dead Leprechauns and Devil Cats, Strange Tales of the White Street Society. So I guess this author writes crazy stuff. Yeah. And I mean, I would, like I said, I would give him one more chance. But I think that I would discourage him from ever writing from a female perspective ever again without actually maybe talking to a woman. Although I will say this, I think it would have passed the Bechtel test. Have you, you are you the Bechtel test? What's the Bechtel test? 
Okay, so it is this measure of feminist literature, um, like media. So uh, I don't know all of the rules of it, but I know the main thing is that you have to have more than two female leads. Okay. That talk to one another about something other than a relationship with a man, an intimate relationship with a man. So I do think that it passes that because you have a book club of women. And I would say that, you know, the main character, even the house, the housemaid, the main character, um, and they're talking about something other than an intimate relationship Hmm. with a man. So I think it would technically pass the Bechdel test for feminist ideas. But at the same time, I know about that test, but okay. I don't even know. If my books will pass that, I mean, if I ever wrote one, I'm like, now I got to look for a Bechdel test. Okay. It felt like the female characters were very flat. I I hate to say it, but it sounds like a rectal test. (laughs) Now you're gagging me up. (laughs) I was like, what did you say? I'm like, Bechdel, what? what?" I'm sorry. Now we're going to have to like pull up the rules for one of our talks so that we can. And talk educatedly about this. <laughs> now all I'm going to think about is the rectal test. <laughs> just fine because I'm in the medical world, but whatever. Yeah, I was just like, because when you said it, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me collect myself. <laughs> um, yeah, so... I just really don't think you should probably write from a perspective of a woman. I felt like they were all, like, all the women were pretty flat. Like, there was nothing interesting about them particularly. And I felt like that they were portrayed, like, throughout the entire book, they're almost all portrayed as these victims. And, like, okay, in the end, like, they take control but, like, there was no process of building their empowerment. Like, that was not really part of the storyline, to be honest. Right. And I just didn't like that. Like, I mean, f- I think it's crazy that this entire group of women, like, went against another woman in a book club and created their own <laughs> secular well, book club, like, fun well, that book woman club. was crazy. I'm sorry. But, you know. She was. She was. She but, was a little, th- you know. But they were like sassy ladies doing this, going behind this important right, right. person in the community and making their own book club. And they so they had guts to do that and they were brave enough to do that. But then like they're portrayed as victims in the vast majority of the rest of the book until the end when they cut this guy up and they form a plan. This kind of like, what did it, there's this country song that it reminded me of that I remember from my childhood. <laughs> like, they concoct this plan, Earl. Do you have you heard that by the Dixie no, Chicks? I have not. Oh, you should look it up. It's it's really good. But it reminded me so much of that like storyline that, but it, there was no substance to the empowerment of these women. The other thing is, what happens to Patricia and her daughter? Yes, they've been bitten by the vampire. They've been. He's gone down on them. Whatever you want to call it, he's eaten them out. All of that. And then what happens to them? There's like nothing. Because I've been happening to the daughter for how long? And she's just fine. It's like, it's fine. Does she become a vampire? No. Does she die? 
No. It's just like, you know, and then. the vampire has no M.O. Like, what vampire doesn't have, like, a type? I don't know. I don't know either. He's all over the place. I didn't even like him. For a while, I was like, Mm -mm. wait, is he a vampire or is he not? For a while, I wasn't sure. For a while, I was really like, well, maybe Patricia is crazy. Maybe he is normal and maybe there is another vampire or maybe he knows about the vampire. I, and then I was like, oh, wait, he is the vampire. But I thought he was helping the vampires for a bit. Yes. yes I don't know. Yeah. I just, this book was just, I, but my question is, why do you think it is so hyped up on Bookstagram and everything. That that is I was my. I'm gonna ask you that too. I don't know. Do you think we should we should look at the demographic of who's rating that? Like, is it that is it more men who are rate ranking this high um, because they find it like titillating or something, but they don't really understand the female perspective? Um, I would guess. Honestly, like most women that I know that like vampire fiction, I don't really feel like they they would be satisfied with this book. I was definitely not satisfied with this. The other thing is, it's kind of the question I have is authenticity on Bookstagram. You know, if Mm. everybody likes a certain book, then you read it. How confident are you in standing up and saying, you know what? Everyone loved this book, but I hated it. Good question. I mean... It's so hard because, like, you don't want to ever, like, ruin somebody's career. And, like I said, I really, I do think that he has uh, a really good use of language. Um, I think that he is creative and rethinking ideas, but I think that that there were a lot of missed opportunities. So the storyline needs working and not like having three-year gaps where you're like, what? What happened? <laughs> right. 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 No, I, I, I agree with you, but I will tell you as far as um, people's livelihood and things like that, I will not rate an independent author. If it's not a four or a five, I will not rate an independent author at all. Like I will not even put it on Goodreads that, oh, it's a three-star book or a two-star book. If it's an independent author, absolutely not. Yeah. But if it's a published author by a well-known publishing company or, you know, like well-known book that's all over Bookstagram, I have no qualms giving it a one-star or a two-star. If anything, at that point, it actually makes the book more legit because who, mm-hmm. which book gets all five stars? You're going to have some books to get five stars and one star. You're like, who gave this book one star i'm sure like if you look at man called uva or bear town i mean we're talking backman i mean his books some people are giving it one or two stars and i'm going like what is wrong with you people yeah and i would be interested to know the people who rated this high like fours and fives and like what their reasoning for it was um Maybe if we have any listeners that have read it and would rank it as a four or five, that yeah. they could chime in and let us know on, uh, That's hey, come to, my, yeah, come, come to my um, bookstagram site and uh, on, right. on Instagram and 
But there is Maybe we can thing, have a conversation. <laughs> there is this thing of, you know, if you rate a book very highly, you just don't want others to come in and I guess rain on your parade and go, what? You rated that at five? Really? I was just two stars for me. Really? And apparently it makes people, they don't like it when people do that either. So it's kind of like if I love a book, you could probably say, well, they're all good for you. It just didn't work out for me. And then leave it at that rather than making, you know, you could be like, well, Shanaz, you're a total idiot. How do you love that book? I mean, seriously. I mean, who loves that book? You're just- I don't think that. I'm just wondering, like, did I miss something? Did I miss something, like, super integral to un- to understanding this and rating it a four or a five? Because maybe that's the case. Well, if you missed it, well, guess what? I missed it, too. <laughs> So we've got two people who missed it. So there you have it. We both missed it. We both missed it. So there's our three-star book. That's our book talk for today. Yes. So Erin, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Yes, absolutely. And uh, I look forward to more. Yes, I agree. I'm almost done, but... Remember the special invite I mentioned in the beginning of this episode? Well, here goes. As a special recorded episode in celebration of the second anniversary of this podcast, I'm having a recorded Zoom bookish panel party. I have invited some special guests to be on my panel. The panel lineup will include my good friend Christopher Todd. He is the author of the short story, The Mystery of Sherlock Holmes. Chris was also my first podcast guest. Then we have two authors on the panel, Jamie McGillan, who wrote Inside of the Mountain, and Amy Voltaire, who wrote My Name is Aaron and My Mom is an Addict. Both authors have been on my podcast before and are just wonderful resources for writing. We have two successful bookstagrammers, Erica, who is uh, sand underscore between underscore pages, and Angie, who is DC Lazy Girl. Both women have successful bookstagram accounts and were kind enough to join to field some bookstagram and ARC questions. So come on down and ask questions of any of our panelists, and I'll be around for the celebration if you want to shoot me some questions also. Yes, you are all invited to the second anniversary recorded Zoom bookish panel party. Well, the first 90 of you who RSVP. Date and time is August 29th at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. So just email me with a request for the Zoom link, and I'll be happy to send it on over. The email is livingalifethroughbooks at gmail.com, and this event is free. If you are part of my book club, you'll be getting an invite link automatically, but please RSVP. And that's it for this time. Before I go, I will keep this short. Please write me a review on Apple Podcasts. Please share this podcast with your family and friends and through your social media channels. And the opening and closing music to this and all my previous episodes was composed by my husband, Brad Slavik. I'm Dr. Shanaz Ahmed with Living a Life Through Books, signing off. Remember to water the seeds within you. It's time. <laughs>